You're listening to Words on your podcast episode one, two, three. Creative performance with Joe Williams. This episode of the Word Singer Podcast is brought to you by Draft to Digital. Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at drafttodigital.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours now? Here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger, and you have tuned in for another week of, well, we're going to call it fun. This is fun. <laughs> I have a lot of fun doing the show, and uh, I'm always glad when you guys drop by. Uh, you kind of are the reason I do it, so welcome. Um this week, I'm talking to somebody pretty interesting. Uh, he has a, a very strong connection, good friends with uh, someone I have followed for quite some time. You may have, too. Uh, he's a good friend with uh, Tony Robbins, but I'm going to be speaking with Joe Williams, who's the founder of uh, Creative, the Creative Performance Group. And um, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting chat, so you're, <laughs> I can't wait to, to drop you right into it. Actually, I can wait. I am going to wait. Uh, to drop into because there's a couple of things I want to cover uh, before we get into the interview. So uh, first off, I got a uh, another review on uh, iTunes, and I'm, I'm I cannot tell you how grateful I am when these come in because um, they uh, they make such a huge difference. Uh, so they make a difference to me uh, because they they kind of give me a little boost and tell me that people are you know both listening to and enjoying the show and getting a lot out of it. Uh, but they they are also very useful to help other people discover the show. So I really encourage you, if you want to support the Wordslinger podcast, uh, I really encourage you to go on iTunes. This is one of the best ways to do this. Go on iTunes, find the Wordslinger podcast, just search for Wordslinger podcast. That'll help you get there. And uh, and leave a review. Uh, rate it. You know, I'd, I'd really love, you know, four or five stars. That would be great. Uh, and just leave a, uh, a review. Tell me what you uh, like about the show, what you're getting out of it. And uh, do that, man. It's cool. <laughs> what, a, what a lame way to end that. No, okay. So this is a, this is a review that came in uh, on July 20th, actually. Um, the uh, title is highly recommended. This is from Elias.1991. Uh, that's the year I graduated from high school, by the way. So, <laughs> if that's your birth year, wow, I feel old. Okay, so here's a uh, here's a review. This is a great podcast for creatives and entrepreneur- entrepreneurially minded people. Uh, as an aspiring author, I find Kevin's insights useful, and his interviews always produce good information. Not to mention that he is funny and easy to listen to. I recommend, oh, and smiley face there. I recommend this podcast to anyone looking to digitally market themselves. Thanks, Elias. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. And I, I like being funny. I hope people find me funny. I think sometimes people do not find me funny, uh, particularly on Facebook. I uh, I can be a little outspoken on Facebook. It's, it's kind of an interesting environment. Um, I talk about... The things that kind of stick with me, you know, and I am i am a conservative, I'm a Christian, so there are certain viewpoints I hold that are not popular in the world right now. So uh, I try to be funny just to make sure <laughs> that people know that I'm not like uh, some really like insane alt-right 
<laughs> trying to take women's rights or you know, any of this stuff. I don't want people thinking that about me. So uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> so thank you again, Elias. I, re- I really appreciate that. If you want to uh, have something uh, read on air, feel free to leave a review, but you can also reach out to me um, if you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, I usually say all this at the end of the show, and I will again, but if you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, there's a, there are several ways to uh, reach out, and I can uh, you know, read something you write to me or play something you record, a voicemail or whatever, um, on the air. I'm happy to do that, uh, as long as it's appropriate. And uh, you know, just, just sort of like the definition of pornography, uh, I know appropriate when I see it. I get to be the judge and jury. So, <laughs> But I really... Never have anyone say or do anything that's that's inappropriate. <laughs> so, I mean, I haven't so far. Um, you're all really good, uh, upstanding moral people. Uh, so, thanks for that. Okay. Um, other news. Now, over the past couple of weeks, now I had, uh, I think I announced this uh, last week, but I did release The Devil's Interval, which is the newest Dan Kotler thriller. If I didn't announce this last week, shame on me. I should have. Um, but... That is the newest thriller, and uh, it's doing pretty well. It launched pretty well. It got to, uh, I think, the lowest it got was uh, number 30 in uh, historic thrillers uh, and, like, number 72 in uh, mystery thriller. So uh, I count that pretty good, <laughs> considering, you know, how little I've actually uh, marketed the book. I, I There were some experiments afoot, and uh, things have worked out pretty well, I think. One of those... Uh, for the authors in the crowd, I just want to kind of give a, a quick breakdown before we get to the interview. But um, I decided I, did, I used a new approach for my edits and rewrites, and I've even altered it slightly since uh, since this. But <clears throat> here's my current process. Actually, here's here's where it goes. So I'm again writing in Scrivener. Um, I love the organizational power of Scrivener. The ability to keep my research notes right there, um, document notes. You know, there's a per project kind of note section uh, with the inspector. The binder is very useful for organizing chapters and scenes. Um, It makes for really a a very easy uh, writing experience. Now, um, I'm not as impressed with Scrivener's. There's a couple of things that that Scrivener can do that I'm not as impressed with. (laughs) I'm not as impressed with its uh, spelling and grammar check tools. the mind frequently just breaks in the middle of writing. Uh, suddenly, it's not it's not catching uh, spelling errors, for example, or typos, really. Um, and uh, so I don't I don't get alerted to them as they go. But I've decided that that's that's fine. I want to concentrate on the writing anyway. So it's I almost I'm almost tempted to just turn off spell check um, while writing and just catch everything you know through edit. Uh, so I may do that. So. The process then is, so far, write in Scrivener. And I, I don't even use their novel template or manuscript template anymore. I just use a blank template, create folders for chapters and files for uh, scenes within those chapters. And, uh, and that's, what, that's how I handle that. Uh, and I write the entire manuscript. I'm using a, a method I've picked up from Dean Wesley Smith, and if you uh, our listener to the show, you know that I interviewed him way back when. I think that was episode, that was in fact episode 116, um, way back in June 9th of this year, 2017. 
depending on when you're listening. So uh, go go check that out. Writing into the dark with Dean Wesley Smith. Uh, one of the things that he discussed was uh, cycling, is what he calls it. Um, and essentially, he goes back every 500 words. He goes back, rereads what he wrote, edits, adds whatever he feels is necessary, uh, and then continues on. Um, he also, if he gets sort of a mental or subconscious nudge that tells him that there's something he needs to address earlier in the manuscript, maybe something he needs to add to set up a scene he's about to write or something along those lines, he'll pop back and do that work and then come back and restart his writing. Now, if you've read 30 day author, my book, 30 day author, uh, you know that I, I advocate that when you're writing, you're doing one job and that's writing. Don't edit while you write. Uh, because it will slow you down to the point of never finishing. <clears throat> I think where this is different, and I'm, I'm really looking into this because I, I'm, it, it's it's working. <laughs> so I think where this is different is it's sort of my, it's the same process that I recommend to authors when they get to uh, the muddy middle, you know, and they suddenly find themselves at a dead stop uh, with no idea where the where to go next. Um, I I tend to tell authors that my approach for that is to go back and start reading from the beginning, um, editing as I go, you know, uh, touching things up as I find them, uh, adding things as, as I feel necessary. And then, but then by the time, by the time I get back to the stopping point, um, my momentum and enthusiasm are back and I, I'm able to just push through and continue the writing. I think that works very well. And I think this is the same approach that Dean Wesley Smith uses in cycling. Um, so in Scrivener, I just write, uh, I go, I don't go back every 500 words per se. Uh, but what I do is, uh, do my writing session, start the next day by reading what I wrote the day before editing to the point where I can start again. And then starting again and writing another, you know, 2000, 3000, 5,000 words, whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing that day. Uh, and I have my minimum, you have your minimum. So uh, typically my, my minimum per day is 2,500 words per day. So that's, that's what I, I have to hit in order to have a day. Um, so you, you just need to decide what's comfortable for you. And it may be 500 words. Um, but cycling like that, what it's done is I'm not editing while I'm writing. That's, that's the, the, the key thing to take away here. I still advocate that when you're writing, all you do is write. Don't concentrate on editing. Starting my day by reading and editing the previous day's work lets me not only polish it, but gets my brain right back into the scene. And so I come to my stopping point, and now I've got the energy and momentum to keep going <laughs> and uh, and write the next 2,500 words or more. So um, it's working very well. I mean, I'm, a, I'm 33% through this current book. Um, which I'm I'm not going to announce just yet, but I I you know the newest Dan Kotler book is 33% done. Um, so, uh, and I've I've been very pleased with how it's going. Now from there I take I export that as a Word document. So basically the whole document is edited in Scrivener, and I'll even go back and do a whole reread of the whole thing. <laughs> so far uh, I I don't feel comfortable not doing that yet. So I go reread I edit. Uh, find typos, that sort of thing, everything that I'm capable of finding, <clears throat> excuse me, and then I export that to Word and use Word's superior spelling and grammar tools to scan the whole document for anything I can find. Now you can use, other, there are other tools, there's Grammarly, um, 
there's a uh, Hemingway uh, you know there, there are all these uh, tools you can use to scan and correct for grammar and uh, typos and that sort of thing uh, and over overly used words that sort of thing um, I'm fine with that you know <laughs> I, I, I may even integrate that at some point uh, I tried it a couple of times and wasn't really it didn't really click with me but now I'm in a whole new workflow so we'll see uh, once I've got a clean word document that um, I take directly into vellum um, although now I'm, I'm gonna start using draft to digitals conversion tools because they're everybody as good as vellum but they're they're operating system agnostic and they're free <laughs> so I can convert the book to EPUB and Mobi and I can uh, I can uh, spit out a uh, print ready PDF and uh, that that's very cool and there's some news coming on that that I can't announce just yet but you're gonna be very excited so stay tuned but um, so anyway whatever conversion tool you you uh, prefer um, from there I give the book to my street team um, and the street team reads it presents me with additional edits fixes for typos calling out sometimes I've got um, errors in uh, uh, factual errors for example um, one of my listeners, uh, one of my readers, uh, Ray Braun, by the way, thank you very much. He's called me out on a couple of things that, uh, were just mostly slips of the brain, but could have been pretty bad, <laughs> but they were historic inaccuracies that he called out. So that's where the, your street team, you want your street team to be a varied bunch of intelligent, uh, consulting in individuals you know who aren't just looking for typos but are looking at the manuscript and saying hey this didn't make sense that fell apart that you know I don't think this means what you think it means uh, that sort of thing so all that work uh, pays off with a much better manuscript um, and Devil's Interval benefited from a lot of that I need to do an update uh, to fix more typos that have been pointed out to me uh, from the street team but and that's because I was rushing things a little <laughs> but all in all the experiment works so um it's a good process it's it's slightly different than my old process which was you know turn out the book edit the book myself hand it to my street team you know it's 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 slightly different from that in that i'm doing it more in uh the editing is being done more in stages you know cycling through it the way dean Le dean wesley smith uh would recommend and uh and basically handing as clean a document as i can to the street team. By the time it gets to the street team, I, I, I want my goal is to for them to write back and say I couldn't find anything. <laughs> That's my goal. Have, have not come close to that yet. But at any rate, we're 14, nearly 15 minutes in. Sorry about that. Uh, and I want to get you into this interview uh, because you're really going to enjoy it. So without further delay, let's hop in. Let's listen in on uh, Joe Williams, the founder of the Creative Performance Group and uh, find out all the great things that he has to say about using public speaking and effective communication to grow your business. So take care. Uh, I'll see you on the other side of the interview for some quick housekeeping. Season. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. I, I appreciate it, as always. Uh, you know, every week I try to bring you somebody that's just fascinating. Uh, you can get a behind-the-scenes look into someone's life and career. That's kind of the whole point of the Words Linger podcast. And a lot of times I talk to authors and that sort of thing. Uh, this time I'm 
now I think you're an author. I think I th- I'm not sure now. I just uh, sort of had a little brain flip, Joe. Sorry about that. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, you can you can scold me on air, but I'm talking to Joe Williams. No worries. <laughs> I'm talking to Joe Williams. He's the founder of the Creative Performance Group. Uh, he's got kind of a cool background, and uh, we're gonna dive into that. Some of which may include a book. We'll see. I don't know. Um, sorry, Joe. I completely uh, screwed up that intro, but we're we're cool. We'll no, just keep rolling. No, no worries. No worries. There's one. There's one in in process that'll be coming out soon. That's what, but I, okay. I did write one in the late '90s. Okay. Okay. There you go. Uh, I think uh, in our introduction uh, uh, with your publicist, I think a book or a mention of a book came up. So yeah, sorry about that, man. So uh, other than uh, the in progress book, and you could talk about that too, but uh, give me give me kind of the scoop, man. What's uh, so first off, I have to ask, what is the Creative Performance Group? So we um, we teach people to be more effective communicators. Um, public speaking is really where we started. Uh, we do a lot of work with corporations as well and entrepreneurs, you know, to, I mean, in this day and age, if you're an expert in any arena, you will be called upon to speak live and it still scares the heck so much out of so many people that, um, you know, a lot of what we do is help, help them get over that. But more importantly, just help them find their groove, their flow and, and make them badasses. Yeah. That's uh, you know, I, it's funny. I I tell people, I will tell people that I'm an introvert and they'll call me a liar. Um, because and then I'll say I'm a high functioning introvert. I I know the feeling. I know the feeling. It's it's really, it's really funny because I, you know, for years as a professional speaker myself, I have like a little tick of, uh, is it called angoraphobia? Uh, agoraphobia. Oh yeah. Agoraphobia. I don't, I don't like being in crowds yet. I love leading them. So it's a kind of a weird dichotomy, you know, it's a control thing, right? I don't know. I maybe um, <laughs> it might also just be a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's true. I mean, but I, I, you know, I got into public speaking in in high school, uh, yeah. and just like everybody else, was just nervous about it. And oh yeah, you know, counting my shoelaces and that sort of thing. But I, I, uh, I, I think I don't think I know that that helped me kind of open out just yeah. just enough. You know, I was able to kind of get past the introvert nature and uh, the shyness and uh, you know helped quite a bit so it's a it's an important yeah. skill no matter yeah. what i mean yeah i was failing my public speaking course in high school until yeah. the, the very the final um I, I remember the for the final uh my teacher said you know if you do one good talk i'll pass you and so i did one called if home cooking is so good why is it such a treat to go out <laughs> apparently that got me passed for the year there you go <laughs> oh man that's a clever topic <laughs> I, I i don't know how i came up with that at 16 years old <laughs> that's funny that's pretty funny that's uh that's cool so and then uh that passed you so that that was that when you sort of got the spark like suddenly you... no no i had kevin i had unreal uh stage fright yeah. For, oh my gosh, starting, I started speaking really when I met Tony. So yeah. about, about 20 years old. Right. Um, 
and my father was a uh, a minister, so he was a really great speaker, right. and I was kind of in the shadow, and so I never really wanted to do it, and I just did trial and error for six eight years, yeah. uh, and you know until I kind of figured out my way and my own personal style, and and honestly that's where creative performance came out of was. Um, you know, I realized in a couple of days I could short circuit that, that learning cycle with people. Now, and you brought, you mentioned this and I hadn't actually said anything about this yet, but you said yeah. Tony and, uh, he's tone. talking about the tone. Uh, now he, he's talking about Tony Robbins who happens to be, well, I don't think this is a profound statement. I think 99% of the population can say this, but he happens to be a personal hero of mine uh, <laughs> and actually, uh, I have a funny story about Tony Robbins because Tony Robbins uh, helped me get back together with a girlfriend um, when I was in my 20s. He doesn't know this at all, but his book, Unlimited Power, was something she yep. had been reading. And I uh, picked up a copy and made it look really worn. Like I bent <laughs> the cover and you know <laughs> stepped on it a few times and just casually left it in the front seat of my car when I went to pick her up one day. And uh, you know, so I, I credit him with, with that whole relationship. So anyway, but he's, he's a master. Oh man. Uh, let's see. I said in my twenties, right? So that would have been in the, uh, late nineties, I guess. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. When I went to my first event with him, um, you know, I said my, my father had been a minister. Yeah. Um, he was, it was actually kind of a cultish, uh, religion that they were in. Yeah. And so I was really hypersensitive to that. And I went to my first event with Tony in 1990 on really a, uh, a, a dare from a friend, a firewalk. Yeah. And I walked in, there were, there was the, it was by far the biggest, uh, Oh, I guess it would have been, it would have been called unlimited power, uh, yeah. weekend at that point. Uh, UPW, it's unleashed the power within now. Yeah. And, um, uh, I looked over, there were all these people and people were dancing and it was just crazy. And I looked over and this guy was, had a copy of that book and it was all marked up and he was waving it at the stage. Yeah. And I, I positioned myself on the edge of the row purposely to run out of the room. I was going to leave. <laughs> and you know, there were 5,000 people there. The air conditioning was broken. Tone came out and I, I call him tone cause he's, he's one of my best friends. Right. And he was, it was so hot. I don't know if you remember in those days, 1990, there were those shirts that you would put your, uh, your hand on and they would turn colors. Yeah. And he had this tie on a full suit and this tie and the tie was changing color as he, as he was uh, speaking. And I remember that, he took his coat off and I realized it was sweat and I thought, okay, if this guy's going to put this much into me, I can put a little bit into myself. Yeah. So, and that yeah. was how the whole thing started. It's one of his favorite stories. Oh, that's very cool. That's very cool. I, I, I could hijack the whole episode and talk about Tony Robbins, uh, <laughs> with no problem, but I don't, so I don't want to do that Trust to you. <laughs> me. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I started, I started speaking for him in 98. Oh, okay. And, um, and did through uh, 2014, and uh, so I have a one or two stories myself, I guess. <laughs> well, we'll have to. You and I can swap those at some point. We man. can. Yeah, <laughs> can. 
I don't want to. I don't want to hijack your your no, show, no. though. I mean, no, want, I want to make sure you get your. <laughs> no, no worries. Tony no gets worries. plenty of. He gets all. He gets lots of press. He doesn't need he my gets, help. He gets all the accolades. <laughs> he does. Always amazes me. It just gets more and more every year. Yeah, I love. Him. I love him. He's a great guy. Now you're um, one of the things you're you're focused on, and I do dig this because uh, I credit public speaking with with helping me quite a bit in my career. Yeah. Um, so you're you uh, you you help people you use you help people use public speaking to uh, yeah. to grow their business. So how, tell me a little about that and how that works. Well, as I said, I mean, you know, at, at the at the bare minimum, here's here's the thing, Kevin. I like I like to think of it as platforms. Okay. Uh, in, in relevantly in 2017. So, um, uh, f- well, first and foremost, I have a thing for relevance. Um, you know, people used to ask me, you know, when you started speaking, how did you do it? That's, that's not even in any way important in, you know, 2017, because I started in 98, I guess, is when I made the switch. I was, I owned a, I was a founder of a telecom company before that. And, uh, that we took public when I was 26, which was total luck of timing, um, and so what we do, you know, at the, at the bare minimum, as I said, if you're an expert or you're, you know, you want to grow your business in any field, um, you're going to be called upon to speak live. Yeah. And, but video, podcasts, live casting, I'm fascinated now with live casting. We're doing more and more of it. Right. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a similar, uh, skill set, but it's a little different. Right. And they build on each other. So, uh, you know, that's really the, the, the basis. My corporate stuff is more high stakes proposals, uh, things like that. I, I've worked quite a lot with, I, that's an understatement, uh, in aerospace, uh, you know, Lockheed, Northrop, companies like that, um, for high stakes proposals and, um, helped, helped them win a little over $50 billion in that business just through, you know, in any proposal, there's going to be an oral arguments, uh, aspect. And so that's where the public speaking training came in. I could see that. I, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I did a whole study on authority and, and credibility and that sort of thing in, in a series of blog yeah. posts a few years back. And um, one of the things that I, I discovered is that if you are capable of standing up and talking with confidence about any topic, the entire room will will automatically accept you as an authority on that topic. And and you crush your competition yeah. because they're just plain scared. Right. Exactly. So that's that's a very useful skill. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I believe it to be the master skill of leadership. That's interesting. Uh, that every great leader must be able to do it powerfully in their own way. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you know that I really strive to look for with my my clients is what is their uniqueness, what is their style, their flow, their groove. Right. So they don't end up looking like a, a, a ripoff of somebody else. Because otherwise, I mean, being – so let's go back for a second. Being around Tony for so many years, yeah, everybody wants to be him. Yeah. And one of the things that you know he and I always had a, an agreement upon was 
that I would have my own style, uh, use influences from him because that's yeah. what the audience somewhat expected. But yet, th- I would always bring you know my own my own flair right. to the party. Right. And um, you know, so with our clients, that's really that's really what we strive to do is is find their groove. Yeah. And you know, it, that's very similar to, I mean, that's that the same can be said for writing by the way. And it's, yeah, like, this is absolutely. what I coach people to do. You know, you find your voice and, uh, I imagine it's the same. You correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, when you're studying someone like Tony or yeah. Jim, Jim Rohn or somebody, you Jim know, Rohn. You, yeah. you have a tendency to pick up their nuances and habits and ticks and that sort of thing. But yep. over time, as you're imitating, you're also gaining that skill, and then that's when you start to find your voice, right? Is it sort yeah, of the same totally thing? Agree. Okay. Totally agree. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely true. That's excellent. Good. I'm I'm smarter than I give myself credit for. Then <laughs> <laughs> you're a pretty smart guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I try. Um, very hard. <laughs> no, I. So, what are I mean? Everybody needs this. So, what are some so other than coming to you and, and uh, asking oh, yeah. you, which I encourage people to do, but I mean, what what are ways that people can start sort of, you know, picking up the, the, the skills and talents they need for this and, and to become better at it? Well, I would say, so number one, um, it's the work you do before you ever open your mouth. Okay. Everybody needs to find their own personal preparation sweet spot. Yeah. Um, I am... I, I prepare like a madman uh, yeah. for anything, as you probably, you know, figured out because I, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was contacting you before you contacted me, even right. though you were supposed to contact me first, right? <laughs> so, so. Sure, make me feel bad about pre- it. I appreciate no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> preparation. Preparation. Um, you know, some people claim, oh, I'm best when I wing it. I yeah. usually find that's a cop out for. I'm afraid to think about getting up and talking before I actually have to. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Tony always said I was the only human on earth that prepared more than he did. I prepare, uh, enormously for everything. I want to know every single person in the room. That would be number two. Know your audience, know your audience, know your audience, know who the, freak you're talking to (laughs) because you know walking into a room and having a message for the people who aren't in that room is the biggest rookie mistake anybody can make yeah so preparation and part of that is knowing your audience and um and then i would say um having a pre-performance ritual so how you get yourself in state how you how you you know, are hydrating, for instance. Uh, people don't realize the most important aspect of keeping their voice, if they have voice problems, uh, when speaking is hydration. Yeah. And that has to start two days in advance. Hmm. Uh, you know, being, um, I had a doctor tell me one time, um, hydration is where I am right now is a product of where I was 24 hours ago. So once you get behind the, the, uh, the eight ball, so to speak, once you get behind the curve, you can't catch up by just drinking water when you're at the front of the room. And, you know, that's also, uh, I run into this a lot in corporations, my corporate clients. Another just 
rookie mistake. People get drink coffee and stuff to, you know, all morning long and have no idea then why their heart is racing when they stand right. up. To speak. They think it's stage fright. And right. it's not. It's over caffeination, you know. Um, <laughs> right. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> it is um, now. This is the Word Slinger podcast. We, yeah, right, we right. Words here. Up. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, as part of as part of preparation and pre-performance ritual, um, breathing, yeah. uh, and then and then finding what is your power up, if you will, uh, right before you're going to speak. So, um, you know, NBA players and 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 NFL players and stuff like that do it in the in the uh, locker room before they come out to play. Right. But have something to just really get yourself there. Yeah. Right before you go, so you're a thousand percent turned on. That's not even a hundred percent turned on. Um, ready for anything, um, is vital, is vital. And then I would say to finish it out, a post performance ritual. So I like to, not, I like to, every single time I speak, I, uh, my wife, Allison and business partner and I sit down and go through on a simple little T chart, you know, like a T, uh, what worked? What do we want to do again? Mm. What, what went well? And then the other side, um, what are ideas for improvement? Yeah. And I have literally tens of thousands of days worth of notes and, and, and notes from clients and everything else on that for, for uh, you know, to just get better yeah. next time. Yeah. That's uh, that's that you know you're cold you uh, completely flew out of my brain but i mean what you're doing is reviewing the data basically and you're that's it. It, just like any any other career any other aspect of your career you want to improve your performance right you got it yeah totally totally that's very cool yeah you know what about um sort of ticks that you might nervous ticks you might have that are i'll tell you this i i'm i uh, just just to pat myself on on the back, I guess. I mean, I am a very good uh, public speaker, in my opinion. Maybe I suck and I'm just overconfident, but uh, <laughs> I think I do very well uh, at the very least. One of the things that I, one of the troubles I have, and it happens on the podcast too. I, um, when it's time for me to talk, I start obsessively clearing my throat. Right. Even if I don't necessarily have to. <clears throat> In fact, right now I'm thinking about it. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, how do you overcome things like that? It's got to be psychosomatic because it only happens, like before I'll do a show, I'll mute everything and just sort of spend, you know, five minutes clearing my throat, drinking water, you know. Yeah. Being yeah. loud. Maybe that's just my routine, but. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's probably your routine. Um, and I, I think it's. It's not something personally I would suggest you lose. It's who you are. Yeah. It's what sets you apart. You know, the old days of public speakers coming out of radio backgrounds right. was an interesting time because it was taboo to say, um, yeah. or, and here's what I believe. I believe nothing is a real mistake unless it causes you to lose connection with your audience. Right. That's the only real mistake. No, right. there's there's a second one. Arrogance 
or cockiness. Not to get political, but we obviously are seeing this <laughs> quite a bit in our poli- yeah. right now. Because when when well when think about this, it, it, no matter who it is, when someone is uh, seemingly overconfident, arrogant, uh, someone's going to want to take them down. Right. And it's only a matter of time. I, I always used to say it's <laughs> it's always okay to be overconfident until somebody a little bit brighter than yourself finds a chink in your armor right. and can point it out and take you down because they will. Right. And uh, sincerity, when I started teaching public speaking, I, I did a bunch of research and found a, a couple of studies that showed that sincerity was the number one attribute of a well-received speaker. Right. So they did like exit polling and asked audiences on the way out, why, you know, did you like that person, number one? And if the answer was yes, what about them did you like? Sincerity, uh, realness, you know, a lot of people, the term authenticity is real big right right now. I'm not really a big fan of it. (laughs) Realness, realness uh, is vital. And so... I like I like little things as long yeah. as it's not causing you to you know break connection with your audience. I'm a big fan of the little ticks and the little the little things that make you uniquely you. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, in in my experience, that's absolutely true. You know, the things yeah. that I. I, I I always tell people this is a warts and all show. For example, like I yeah. I don't cover mistakes. I don't I don't go back and edit things out unless it's just really it has to be it's really fairly bad. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I've had I've had calls drop out. I may fix things like that, but if little glitches here and there, ums and uhs, none of that stuff ever bothers me. And uh, I I think that that does make. Um, much more endearing for the the uh, listener and, and you know, for the audience because well, they can relate yep. to it. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, think about it. You know, have you ever been in an audience where there was a really, really nervous speaker? You're dying on the inside for them. Right. It's one thing that a lot of people don't realize, and and you know, to go back and answer your question another way, um, you know your audience doesn't want you to suck. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, one of my first, one of my first uh, times that I really fell on my face, I had a guy at the time that was an older gentleman who was kind of like, almost like a Jim Rohn type figure in my life. It was before I met Tony. And he came up to me after the, after the talk and put his arm around me. And he said, I was really bad, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness, you have no idea. I that was awful. I, I I don't ever want to speak in public again. And he said, Joe, just remember this: if you're gonna suck, do it quickly and shut up. Yeah, brevity is important. <laughs> and you know, your because your audience is dying on the inside. They don't want to. It's very uncomfortable to watch somebody who is uh, extremely nervous right they're but the flip side of that is they're pulling for you right in almost all cases i obviously you know working in high stakes proposals and stuff like that there are some exceptions there are some hostile audiences but that's very 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 rare 
um, when I was with Tone, I, I taught wealth mastery for 12 years. You know, there was, in that case, when we were teaching investment strategies and things like that, uh, you know, there, there were times where there were hostile uh, audience members, not the entire audience, but the audience members. They had a hidden agenda. Um, understanding, you know, that a lot of times people have, they come to a, a presentation with a hidden agenda. They want to hijack the show. I have a saying, never sacrifice the entire room for one person. Right. You know, if you've ever seen a person get into a, like an argument with one person and the whole room is just groaning because they want to move on. Right. Uh, they're there for a reason. They're there because they want to learn something. They want to, they want to take something from the time. Their time is vital. Uh, it's one of the reasons I think that um, you know the the multi speaker uh, events have started struggling. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, like the ones that are two three days, yeah, and 10, 12 speakers, forty nine dollars bring your entire audience or your entire office, I should say. Um, you know, those are really struggling, uh, in the marketplace right now. And I think one of the reasons is because people don't want their time wasted. Right. And, um, so, you know, they, they, they're there for you. They're there for you. They got yeah. your back. Yeah. I mean, they did. If you'll let them have it. They came to see you. I mean, yeah. They, they made the time. So, you know, it's pretty reasonable to just default to assuming that they support you and then you're empowered it. instead of, uh, I guess, depowered. Um, <laughs> disempowered, I think it would be disempowered. Thank you. Uh, I don't always have the words. I, I, I read. <laughs> that only comes. That only comes from my background with <laughs> NLP and stuff like that. But yeah. that's another story. No, I hear you, man. Uh, NLP, by the way, uh, fascinating to me, and I studied. For, and thanks to Tony, I mean, that's how I discovered it. Like, like most of America, that's how I discovered yep. it. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's pretty cool. So. Um, you know, you're, I, yeah, I love the, I love the whole concept here because I'm a big believer in this. Um, but it is difficult to convince people that this is even important. Like, you know, do you, do you run into resistance to this idea at all? Sure. I mean, it's yeah. mostly fear based. Yeah. Um, you know, people are just scared and don't want to admit it. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had, <laughs> couple of years ago, I remember somebody on Facebook or something like that said, oh yeah, that's a great business strategy. Take on the number one fear of all human beings. <laughs> you might as well be I, coaching people about how I, to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've always liked, the, the, we used to have a saying when I was speaking professionally, my, um, my, we, we called them creative directors. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, my creative director used to say, you know, it, it, it Joe's got to have a good fight to get to his absolute best. So I guess I've always had that kind of underdog thing since I was very, very young. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I can relate. Um, my, my, <laughs> my parents went to, went to prison the first time for, they don't always love to pay their taxes. And so okay. they, uh, they went to prison when I was 15, just, just getting ready to turn 16 years old. And, uh, so I had to, I had to leave high school to, support my sister and I. Oh, and so I've, uh, I've always kind of worn that as a badge of honor, you know, the yeah. high school dropout who <laughs> made good on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's something to be had to wear a badge of honor over actually. So <laughs> kudos. Um, so you're what, I mean, there's, 
so many ways to go about it. I, you know, and I, so I took speech and debate in high school, but then I majored in, in speech communications as a, as part of my double major when I was in yep. college. Uh, there's a lot of ways to go about, you know, becoming comfortable in front of people, uh, you know, getting, getting a grip on your, uh, the way you manage the audience and that sort of thing. I mean, are there, are there special techniques that you recommend over others? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, starting out number one for stage fright, I would say the most important thing is to understand what I would call your triggers. Okay. Um, everybody seems, it, it's really interesting when I pull rooms of, uh, you know, people who've come to a boot camp or something like that, um, different people are triggered. Their, their stage fright is triggered by different things. So for instance, some people are more nervous when they're speaking to smaller groups of people that they know rather than large groups that they don't That's know. Nervous. Um, some people are more nervous when they, as I said, when they really prepare in depth versus when they just try to get up and wing it. Some people are more prepared when they can, it's, it's amazing that that it can go all the way down to this, um, when they can see the audience's eyes. Uh, so they're more nervous when they see the audience's eyes versus when the, uh, auditorium or whether they're speaking in is blacked out. Okay. Some people are more nervous, uh, based upon what they're wearing, their clothes. So for instance, when I wear suits now, I used to, you know, work in them every day and I don't know how I did, but when I put on that tie, I even get a little kind of, you know, choked up if you will. Um, so, you know, knowing what your triggers are, are, I think are vital uh, uh, to stage fright. And then, um, uh, that pre-performance ritual is vital. I mean, that is critical. Knowing also how to actually prepare a talk in a quick way. If you were asked, uh, on five minutes notice to speak on something, having a strategy for that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I am preparing a client right now for a Ted and, um, or it's a TEDx and those are the, the most difficult thing to prepare for. Yeah. Routinely, we take 30, 40 hours to prepare for those. I've had one client that took 90 hours to prepare for a 12 minute Ted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people really underestimate sometimes the environment they're walking into as well. So I would say knowing the environment as well as uh, the audience is also vital, vital, vital. A lot of times I'll have clients uh, prepare in mock um, auditoriums or mock setups. So, you know, the, the one client, for instance, that prepared for 90 hours for the TED got there and the stage was smaller than he thought. It was the size of a large table. And he was a big guy, ex-football player. Yeah. And and he was, you know, he could only take one step. He had been watching TED videos. And, um, you know, they walk all around the stage and they have plenty of room because it's the actual TED venue uh, right. that most of those videos are in. And uh, when he got to, to his... Uh, he had not anticipated the environment. And so really knowing and anticipating as well as you can the environment you're going to be in is vital as well. That's uh, 
That's very good advice. I, I don't ever consider the environment. I need to start thinking about that. Because when I do uh, talks, and it's usually at conventions and that sort of thing, so you, you yeah. pretty much know the where you're going to be. But I've, I've yeah. showed up and, and been given a stage uh, where I was expecting to be behind, you know, just a table or something. So, right. you know, you have right. to be able to pivot, too, I imagine, right? So you, yeah. you yeah. do alternate strategies? Yeah. I mean, um, flexibility is power. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, yeah. and absolutely being on your toes as opposed to on your heels, um, you know, if that metaphor works. Yeah. Walking into any environment. Um, is, is critical because, you know, you never know what you're going to show up to. You never know who's going to be in the room for sure. You can do all your homework. You can prepare as much as you can and, uh, then show up and have, and have, uh, surprises, so to speak. Um, God, God knows I I had that happen (laughs) hundreds, hundreds (laughs) of times. And, uh, the only thing I know to say is, is you just got to roll with it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've found is in really, I mean, if you want a, a strategy for your listeners that I really suggest, um, uh, we use it. In fact, at the, at the boot camp, we spend an entire night with an improv coach mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, studying improv is probably the best tool for being able to have any you know, roll with any punch that might yeah. come. So the whole yeah. yes and theory right. Uh, right. of improv of you take anything that's handed to you and you build upon it. You say yes and, and you build upon it. You cannot say no. Right. That is vital in speaking. Right. Right. That's, uh, I use that quite a bit myself in, in not just in speaking, but in practically every other aspect of my career. It's, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I was going to say it is again, I know I said that speaking was the master skill. <laughs> Flexibility is probably the master skill of leadership and, and entrepreneurship. I mean, life is yes. And yeah, I agree. life hands us all kinds of stuff and we've got to say yes. And saying no is not really an option. Right. I mean, some people do, but the consequences of that are, are enormous. They're dire. Well, yeah, and no is a dead stop. I mean, it's, it is, that's, it is. that's as far as you're going. If you want to <laughs> so, move forward as an entrepreneur, right. you know, yes. And I mean, um, you know, speaking of as someone who that was my original background, you know, was starting companies. I mean, I, I started 12 different companies, um, and, or I have, I should say started 12 different companies over the years. And, uh, life is yes. And, yeah. uh, business is yes. And, and, uh, because it's, it, especially relevantly in 2017, the rate of change is such that, uh, you know, you've, you've got to be, there are very few industries that you can still market yourself. You can still build your business. You can still, um, you know, sit on your laurels the same way you did 12, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, even one of my best friends is, uh, very big in, in, uh, uh, working with, uh, service industry, uh, guys and gals. So, uh, heating, plumbing, uh, air conditioning, you know, that whole world. And, um, you know, that whole world sat dormant for years and years and years. You would take out, you know, uh, yellow pages ads and you would, you would, you would buy a, a billboard and, 
and that was enough to market yourself. You know, right. you'd, you'd, you'd put your name on the side of the truck and uh, a few other things. And it's changing. It's changed drastically in the last three years. Yeah. Uh, like a sea change. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen that, that change sweep through. <laughs> so that's interesting. Okay. So, um, I mean, unfortunately now I'm looking down, we're, we're kind yeah. of bumping up against time, but, um, we are. I wanted to, and I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm respecting your time. Um, no worries. Why don't you tell people like where they can find you and find out more about creative, creative performance group. He managed to say. <laughs> no, no problem. Um, the best way is is just creativeperformancegroup.com or joewilliamsonline.com. Okay. Um, you can tell how old that uh, URL is because I <laughs> Joe Williams Online. I still have an AOL account, by the way. Really? I still I think that's hysterical. It's my personal private account. I've had it since the mid '90s. And uh, I think I'm the one person still keeping AOL in business. So it's it's not my business account. You may though. be, man. I yeah. In some ways, I kind of missed like the original AOL. You know, the whole dollar. You're in this <laughs> Get, environment. You know, <laughs> getting those discs in the mail and oh, all that man. good stuff. I had that so the, many discs. <laughs> that was the height of my days in in uh, telecom. So I was very familiar with all yeah, that. I bet. <laughs> yeah, we used to take those. Uh, the the CDs now I, I would yeah. always use the floppy disks those got reused but the yeah right when yeah you know, we'd get thousands of these CDs so we would uh, go out to a buddy of ours had a, a target range and we would use them for <laughs> targets so. <laughs> makes sense hey man all right well hey I I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me um, you know I'm I, I'm impressed by what you're doing so I you know of course wish you well in it and. Uh, I hope lots of people hop on over. I know you've got lots of clientele already. You don't really need my help in bringing people in, but I want to see some lives change, man. So I think you could help with that. <laughs> uh, it's what, uh, for some reason, I realized at some point in my life, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, so. exactly. I think, you know, anyone who does anything worthwhile um, for any length of time comes to the realization they're doing it for, for other people, to, the, to yep. benefit other people. Um, yep. I definitely yep. came to that myself. It was. It took me a while to realize that I was actually growing more and more into the business of uh, I help um, independent authors. That's my mission in life. You know, yeah. it took me a while to yeah. realize it, but then suddenly your eyes open. Um, yeah, <laughs> so. I, I, uh, I, I guess I was with Tony for 27 years for a reason. Yeah. So there you go, there you go. That's what I need to do. I need to hook up and just hang out with Tony for <laughs> 20 years or so. The dude's he's gonna live forever. He's he is. He is. He's going to outlive all of us. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by it. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, he puts in the hard work and he takes care of himself. Exactly. So that's one of the reasons why. All right. Okay. Well, uh, everybody listening, be sure you check out. You can find the links to everything we just talked about in the show notes, of course. Um, please wait until you're safely um, parked somewhere. Uh, if you have any <laughs> listening, <laughs> please. Uh, but uh, you can check out the show notes and find out everything you need to know about Joe Williams and about the Creative Performance Group. Uh, thanks Joe so much uh, you hang out for just a second everybody else uh, stick around for the quick wrap up and we'll see you all next week yeah that was Joe Williams uh, not the musician Joe Williams that you may have expected I waited until after the interview <laughs> just, not, and, uh, I'll be interested to hear if, uh, if uh, any of my listeners know who Joe Williams is the uh, musician so Without Googling it. <laughs> so.
so uh yeah hop in um okay so real quick housekeeping because we are we're approaching the hour uh trying to keep these under an hour these days if i can i, I fail at that every every week and will today as well so <laughs> the uh, quick housekeeping if you uh, would like to help support the word slinger podcast a couple of ways you can do that um number one Go onto iTunes, as we discussed earlier, and write a review. Uh, rate and rank the show. If you can give me four or five stars, that makes me very happy. And uh, if in, unless you tell me otherwise, I mean, I'll, I'll read that on air. Because um, I love getting those, first of all. Uh, they mean a lot to me. And they do help people discover the show. Um, and every every episode of the Wordslinger podcast has some little gem, some value that uh, that I hope uh, you recognize, you know, that it, I bring to the world here. Um, <clears throat> the guests are amazing. Uh, everyone I talk to is an incredible human being who has accomplished so much with their lives and has uh, so much ahead of them as well. And I just, it's one of my favorite things to sit and talk to these people um, and get their background story, get their behind the scenes story. And then share that with you. It's one of my favorite things in the world. So <laughs> I hope you, uh, I hope you appreciate that. And I want other people to be able to appreciate it. So your review on iTunes, and on Stitcher, and Google Play, and all all other uh, websites, everywhere you can find uh, podcasts, uh, just go and find us. Leave us a review. It helps a lot. Um, other ways to support the show. Uh, I don't. I have not talked about this as much, but. If you happen to be connected to like a publication, um, my one of the other shows I co-host, Creative Writing Career, it gets mentioned on these various publications all the time, but I never see Wordslinger on that list. And maybe I'm not uh, differentiating the show enough uh, as a because uh, it's not strictly an author podcast. So that could be it. Um, that could be it. Actually, <laughs> it's not strictly a writer's podcast because I I opened it up to entrepreneurs as well. I think every entrepreneur should be a writer. Frankly, just make that. Um, but if you have a connection to those or you know of one, you want to recommend us there, uh, go out and uh, just, just tell people. Um, send an email. Send a social media post. You know, uh, love the words on your podcast. Um, you know, you should talk to Kevin. You should, uh, you know, write about his show, get him on your show, whatever. Um, you know, because I go on a lot of podcasts, mostly on behalf of Draft to Digital these days. But I, I, I love when I can go on and talk about my own writing every now and then. <laughs> Which I, I've gotten to do uh, a couple of times lately, and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, you can also support the show uh, financially, which I do appreciate. If you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, you can click on the Patreon logo there. And uh, from there, you can actually uh, make a basically a commit to a donation each month. And it can be you know small. It can be a buck. It can be... Uh, five dollars. It can be a thousand dollars if you want. And uh, if you give me a thousand dollars a month, you you will gain all sorts of perks. <laughs> I don't know what they are yet, uh, but I will be in a conversation with you at some point. <laughs> but um, I appreciate when you guys are able to to uh, share any amount, honestly, because I do use that money to uh, to help with some of the overhead of the show. Um, which is not tremendous, I, I, I'll admit. I mean, I don't have a ton of expenses. I mean, I, I pay for hosting and I pay for, uh, you know, when the domains come around, I got to register those again and, um, you know, little things like that. Uh, and I do buy new equipment when I need it uh, from those funds. So it's been very helpful to have that. And if you want to contribute to the show, uh, 
and its success. That is one way to do it, and I do appreciate it. Um, you can also support me just by reaching out. Go to wordslingerpodcast.com and click contact. You can leave me a, a uh, an email there. <clears throat> you can also leave me a voicemail from the site. Uh, there is a little send voicemail button floats on the right hand side of the screen. If you click, I'm sorry, I'm swallowing again. Uh, I'm having <laughs> I've had so many issues with this lately. I'm I just have like a swallowing reflex thing kind of going on. But anyway, if you're on the uh, the homepage, uh, wordslingerpodcast.com, there's a little send voicemail button, a little tab on the right hand side of the page. Um, from there, you can send me a voicemail. Usually, it limits to about one minute. Uh, or you can also call me at 281-809-WORD. That's 281-809-9673. Leave me a voicemail that way. Um, but a good old-fashioned email works just as well. Go to the contact button. There are certain little check boxes you can click there to let me know what type of, uh, of communications this, this is going to be. Um, if you uh, if you happen to be someone, by the way, who has a podcast or a blog and would like to interview me, I'm uh, I love doing interviews. So, and uh, I'm trying to promote Draft Digital uh, has a lot of new features lately. One of the biggest I didn't even announce is the head of the show. We we just got Overdrive as one of our distributors, so you can now get your books into your eBooks. Not we don't do print, but uh, not yet. We're working on it. <laughs> we can, but we can give you a print ready PDF. That's a whole other thing. But if you want to put your eBooks in libraries, Overdrive has over thirty-eight thousand um, libraries worldwide. Uh, so you in their network, so you can actually make your books available uh, to distribute to libraries, public libraries, school libraries, corporate libraries. It's it's all in there. So check that out. Uh, that's the newest announcement you know we've had a lot man we've had over the past couple of months we have announced a, a handful of things that just are unbelievable so find away voices uh kobo plus distribution playster distribution all that stuff man so it's been very cool um at any rate <laughs> let me go ahead and just wrap this up uh thank you so much for tuning in uh it's been another great week i'm Really looking forward to it. Oh, uh, one more way you can support me, by the way, is uh, buy my books. If you go to kevinthomason.com slash books, you'll find everything that I have available in print. Right now, I'm running the Dan Kotler thrillers uh, exclusively on Amazon. I'm trying to build up the readership on those and uh, get some momentum going for those because they're, you know, I swapped genres. So it's uh, it's like, it's almost like starting over, you know, you got to, you got to rebuild your, uh, your readership and rebuild your platform. So, uh, so help me out on that. And, uh, if you, uh, if you do pick up a book, let me know. I'd love to, first of all, I'd love to get a review that will help me a lot. <laughs> it's really all about the books folks. So the rest of the show could really go hang. Uh, I'm just kidding. So thank you so much for tuning in again. Um, we'll see you next week. I got more, I got so many interviews in the can right now and more coming. Uh, just a, amazing, incredible people that you're really going to want to hear from. So God bless each and every one of you out there. Have a, a wonderful weekend, a wonderful you know life ahead. Because uh, I don't know when you're going to be listening. But I hope you have a wonderful, remarkable life. And I'll see you on the other side. Slinger.